Welcome back, runners. So, since classrooms are beginning to open up again and the world is starting to feel a little bit more normal, this hot topic of debate should be a very interesting one for you. This episode, we are discussing teachers and their right to carry in the classroom. According to Bakersfield.com, an article was released in November 2016 called KHSD Board Allows Teachers to Carry Guns on Campus. Quote, Kern High School District trustees voted 3-2 to two Thursday to allow teachers and certificated staffers with concealed carry weapon permits to bring guns to campuses. Unquote. Another article posted about a month later in December of 2016 was called Coalition Asks Bakersfield School Board to Reverse Policy on Guns on Campus, which can be retrieved from the kqed.org website. Quote, Gerald Cantu, the Civic Engagement Director for the Dolores Huerta Foundation, points to a full-page ad in the Bakersfield Californian paid for by a coalition of advocacy groups. The ad asks the Kern High School District Board, which oversees 18 campuses for 35,000 students in and near Bakersfield, to reverse recent votes allowing teachers and non-staff to carry guns into the classroom. Unquote. A little bit further down the article, quote, the district is fourth in the state and the largest thus far to allow some staff or teachers to carry guns on campus. At this point, there are no specific guidelines, but only teachers with concealed weapons permits and at least 40 hours of training will be eligible." Unquote. So let's hear the opinions of teachers who have firsthand experience in the classroom and have been teaching for more than 10 years. Our first guest is Bo Larimer a public high school teacher with the Kern High School District, as well as a professor at CSU Bakersfield. How long have you been teaching? I have been teaching for a decade, which is crazy uh, and makes me feel old to say that out loud. Um, I subbed for two years after getting my creden credential, and then I've been teaching here at Independence for the past eight years. Did you feel like the district's protocols for like active shooters, like did that make you feel secure and safe um, as to what they were having teachers and students practice? Yeah, so the current high school district is uh, very secure with that kind of thing. They do regular trainings. We've had all kinds of trainings where we have a, a campus, armed campus security officer um, along with the security guards. And so um, it's a locked campus during uh, when school is in session. They're very, very careful about, and we've had quite a few trainings that have gone into uh, preparing for those kind of responses uh, with the staff where security uh, guard has taken us through um, what, what's called the OODA loop, observe, orient, decide, and active. Hey, you got to disrupt if an active shooter comes into class, right? Um, you can't be past, in the past, right, it's been, oh, kind of like apply these um, general earthquake scenario, like duck and cover type things. And they now they realize that you really need to uh, think about being proactive in either building barriers, if that sh scenario should happen, seeking escape, rights, uh, escape routes, if should they um, be available or um, uh, acting in defense. So 
um, I think the current high school district has done a very good job on that. Yeah, um, they're, it sounds like they're pretty keen on safety. Um, I actually saw that they had talked about um, like teachers possibly having firearms and it was approved a few years back. I think the article was from 2017, but the district decision makers still didn't seem all for it. I don't know if you have heard anything else since then, have you? I don't know about that discussion. I know just in kind of what we mentioned going into this podcast, uh, some of the discussion around uh, teachers being allowed to uh, conceal carry or not conceal carry, right? That's where I've heard the most debate is whether teachers should be allowed to conceal carry on campus. I mean, that topic has kind of yeah not been relevant, but- Bigger fish to fry, I guess, would be the figure of speech at the moment. Yeah. But you had an interesting piece of information about um, a shooting in Colorado. Was that at a school? I just saw on the news today that there was a, today, the 23rd of March, there was a, a mass shooting in Colorado, which of course, right, whenever those events happen, it sparks up discussion. This was, I believe, in a supermarket. Um, but I think there, I think I saw that there was uh, 10 killed, a police officer killed too. Um, uh, and it was a, it was a young person, 21 year old, I think was what I had seen in the news uh, earlier today. Do you ever have conversations with your students about like safety when it comes to a possible perpetrator who's on campus? I Not very regularly. Um, I think at certain times there it, that we do, when we do mention that, it's kind of the same thing of like, hey, should this happen? We do a practice like lock lockdown drill um, where it's like, hey, here the, we're going to get a code word from the office. I'm going to lock the this large metal door over here. We're going to close the windows um, so there's no sight lines. We're going to barricade the windows as much as possible. And then, right, I, I briefly talk about, to them about, hey, um, should the worst case happen and they, they enter the room, um, right, we're all going to throw whatever textbook we have at them. We know the shooters on this part of campus and we can exit and I can take them out in away from uh, the danger zone, so to speak. That would be something that in, in the scenario I would think about. Um, but not regularly, but you know, every once in a while we do mention that scenario happening and what, what, the, what the proper course of action would be. It's kind of difficult to have that conversation with students too, because there is a lot of fear, um, especially like I said before, the transition to Zoom was a little bit like more relieving on that matter. But when it comes to returning to public school systems, which is what's happening already, I'm sure there's a lot of students who may be concerned about that. We are starting to phase back to students on campus. March, April 12th, they'll try to bring quite a bit of the senior class back. So what are your concerns for both sides of the argument? Yeah, the teachers getting the right to have a firearm in their classroom versus not being able to have one due to district policies. Yeah, I, I could, that's a great question, right? Because any controversy, there's good points to be made on both sides. And I think that's a problem with the way people talk about controversial elements as they go, my, the opinion I hold on my side of the controversy 
controversy is the only justified reasonable opinion that exists and that's right there's a reason it's a controversy there's good uh, there's good valid viewpoints on both sides of the issue i remember when at one point when the uh, teachers being able to conceal carry emerged as a discussion i saw some uh, article referencing some professor the first day concealed carrying in his class shot himself in the foot accidentally and so on the one end right what if we put teachers uh, we allow teachers to have weapons on uh, campus and, and even if it's not a school policy thing it's like hey it just within concealed carry rules we're going to allow teachers to conceal carry what is the risks of them not being responsible in their uh, concealed carrying of their weapons. And of course, right, being around um, in the school environment where you're around lots of kids, of course, right, people are concerned about that. Um, and so uh, teachers having the proper training, teachers, right, being irresponsible with uh, such a resource, um, whether or not there's a need for that, right? If we have an armed security officer on campus, do teachers need that? And so can acknowledge that there's valid viewpoints to that. On the other side, though, referring back to Sandy Hook, you hear stories about teachers heroically, but also futilely trying to like shield kids with just rushing them. And so that school was a lock school as well. Um, the It was a forced entry to the Sandy Hook shooting, I believe. Um, and uh, I mean, there's reports of the principal or is the one of the administrators trying to just run at and take, just just bull rush the, the attacker um, and unsuccessfully, right? Um, and then in the Parkland shooting, the Parkland, Florida shooting, on that side of things, there was an armed security officer and I looked back and double checked it. And so he was um, uh, fired from his position. He was sued by parents because he was on campus during the shooting and he was there while the shooting was occurring and he did not intervene. He was an armed security officer on campus and he bunkered down away from where the shooting was happening and he did not intervene in the shooting. So you can see how on one side of things, you, you have to be incredi right, incredibly careful if, you were, if we were to uh, allow that. I, I think in my personal opinion, I would definitely want there to be additional requirements in regards to training and being responsible for that that type of powerful weapon um right any kind of gun right powerful weapon right whether it's what whatever the type of gun if you have it on campus it's a it's a dangerous dangerous weapon to have so i would want if that is the case and allowed definitely lots of training and uh i totally understand that some people might certainly argue that if you have an armed security officer on campus that you, you don't need teachers to carry weapons on campus, or it's even irresponsible to do so. But on the other hand, right, we have the story of Parkland, and I know that's only one example, but where you had an armed security officer on campus and they didn't do anything. And you hear stories of teachers sacrificing themselves for students to try and protect them. And uh, I could understand the teacher that would want to, their sacrifice or their risk to matter in, in a more important way than just simply rushing someone with a weapon. Um, don't bring a knife to a gunfight, but not bringing any weapon to a gunfight, usually not uh, a good way to do it. So there's other forms of self-defense, right? You, I mean, you can have mace in your desk and so, uh, well, I, I don't know what, what I'm sure everyone has their own guidelines <laughs> on what they allow, but 
right? Having the op giving teachers the opportunity, maybe not the expectation, but the opportunity to have those additional trainings um, or have elements of uh, self-defense tools, whether it's right, maybe not necessarily a weapon, but some kind of form of self-defense tool other than grab your stapler and throw it at the, your, your uh, <laughs> which could be equally weapon. painful. <laughs> School shootings are, it's not like the height, it's not, there's not a huge likelihood that you're going to encounter one in, I mean, many people go through their whole career without hopefully that happening ever. So this is definitely, I would say, worst case scenario situation. And do you want to share your opinion about this topic, the teacher and firearm thing, or would you well, rather pass? What position <laughs> I would take uh, between the yeah. two that I mentioned, I, like I mentioned, I, I think it would be a very, I do not think it's good to expect teachers to uh, be armed security of their students, right? So I, I don't think that is an expectation that should be had of teachers. I think that is something that, right, the school should look after security outside of the instructors, right? That shouldn't be an expectation. However, um, I would say that I think that teachers should be allowed to go get extra defense classes or be allowed to responsibly use uh, self-defense tools such as mace or something. Um, however, I think, right, or even concealed carry, I would say I probably would argue that teachers have the right to conceal carry, but I would, if that be the case, I would, ex if the district or school was to allow that, I would expect additional level of training, considering the fact that you're not in the general public, you are, right, in a classroom in your uh, professional capacity as a K through 12 instructor um, or, or a university instructor. And so um, since you are not just in the public sphere, but in your particular professional sphere as someone working with children and uh, with uh, minors, I would want definitely extra uh, trainings and requirements and expectations for what would go into someone having that. I think that's very reasonable um, because like you said, it's not like you're in public. It's you're in a district and there's different rules yeah. and there's children, a lot of children, people who are under 18. Um, so yeah, I think that's a very reasonable I think place to stand. If I think it, it would be very, I think you could argue that they should not conceal carry, but maybe they're allowed to have, um, I don't know, a safe if they choose to do that. I don't think that's an expectation. I don't think the district should be uh, expected to uh, supply that in any way, though I think the district should supply kind of what you mentioned, self-defense opportunities for, for teachers, situational awareness classes. Possibly, I think the argument for a non-firearm um, self-defense tool would be a reasonable expectation for, um, for teachers that, that wanted that resource available to them. Um, but yeah, I, I think it would some, uh, something you would want to approach with great caution and care for sure. Definitely great caution and care. Do you have any advice for public school teachers on this topic um, or maybe something that pertains to student safety? I think in education, it's important to be open-minded enough to listen to both sides of the conversation, right? So I, I've known, and I think sometimes it's easy to, um, when, especially with issues you feel very, very strong about, to be very closed-minded and remember listening and um, 
discussing with the opposing viewpoint is not the same as agreeing with the opposing viewpoint, but tolerance is about um, a respectful discourse of varying viewpoints. And so that would be, that would be my advice to other teachers is it's important to keep that dialogue and discourse happening with respectful interaction in, in those discussions. So that would be my final two cents on the topic. It's hard to have these conversations with multiple people because of that reason, it's hard to not let politics influence their emotions or their opinions towards something that we should be talking about because it is important and it matters and students should have the opportunity to also like know that this is a serious conversation. Well, thank you so much for doing this interview with me. Yeah, you're welcome. Next, we have Ryan Busby, a public high school math teacher who teaches in the East Side Union High School District in San Jose. So as a teacher, student safety is the number one role this position entails. And now public school systems are beginning to open up since the pandemic. How do you plan to protect yourself and your students if a shooter comes to campus? We have mandatory drills that cover active shooters and uh you know we're supposed to the saying is hide hide run or run hide defend so if you know you try to you try to barricade yourself in um or you try to escape if it's if the shooter is far away or if uh, they break in you're supposed to fight them off so you know hopefully that doesn't happen but you know we have those precautions in place and we and the students drill it uh, on how to make barricades, and we actually have our uh, engineering or construction class built us like key locks for our doors that are like physical barriers that um, you can that hold the door in place, and you can install them in uh, fifteen seconds. So that's awesome. I didn't know because when I was in school, it wasn't as um, strict. Like they just told us to like kind of get under a desk and stay low. So I'm happy that there's like way more protocols now. And it has a thing that goes under the door and then you screw it in. So it's like a physical block that goes on your wall and that it has a metal piece that holds the door in. Interesting. Yeah, I've never even heard of that. So um, do you feel safe with those protocols from your district? Yeah, I mean, there's not much we can do. Um, it's not, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's extremely rare for an active shooter case to happen. And I think our district, you know, has prepared us in the best way possible. Um, but I don't see this as a, a likely chance of happening. Do you think your students would still, would feel safe knowing that their teacher can protect them with a firearm held in the classroom? That's um, like, obviously, inaccessible to students, but do you think that that would scare them um, having that type of weapon in a classroom, like regardless of their safety, do you think it would just freak them out? I actually have asked my classes this, and a lot of students are not comfortable with it only because they're afraid that the teacher might go crazy and use it, which is a valid concern. Like they're like, some of my teachers don't seem like they have the best anger management 
you know, and I'm just afraid that if they had that there, that it might be a temptation, which I mean, is a, is a, it's a rational fear. I don't think it's plausible, but I've asked them like, what if I did? And they're like, oh no, Mr. Busby, you're good. Like, I feel safe with you having one. That's definitely a valid concern, like you said. So what are your concerns for both sides of the argument? So whether teachers get the right to have a firearm in their classroom versus not being able to have one due to district policies? Because on one side, you know, the presence of a firearm is scary, but it has the potential to protect a lot of people. And then the other side is like, how am I going to be prepared if I don't have, you know, that final, like that last resort type of weapon if it needs be? Personally, I would, I would, I agree with teachers having firearms, you know, locked up. I know I'm pretty, I know that my belief is not a common belief. We've actually discussed this with some of my coworker friends and, and they all have valid concerns about the potential liability of having a firearm on campus. And plus it's illegal in California anyway. So it's not like we can't do it. Personally, I would love to carry a firearm, but since that's not possible, you just have to do what you can to prepare yourself. You do have to, you know, drill all of the procedures. You do have to know escape routes, what to do. It just, you have to do the best with what's given to you. And, uh, you know, I completely understand the other side of the argument. And like I said, it's just a personal belief. Yeah, um, it, it can be scary on both sides for sure. Yeah. Um, do you have any advice for other public school teachers when it comes to student safety in, in the classroom? I guess, you know, it's, it's just about being prepared, you know, like, and you got to realize that this is, it's more than likely not going to happen. There's, you know, it's just when active shooter cases happen, it makes the news and it is, it, it is scary and it is, it is a possibility, but, you know, more than likely it's never going to occur in my teaching career. But what I would say is just, you know, just like with having any natural disaster, there's always, you always have to have a plan and you always have to try to plan in advance and be prepared. Students, you know, don't take it seriously sometimes, but then they do kind of communicate with them that this is important. You know, this is hopefully never going to happen, but we do need to practice doing this. And you've been teaching for how long? Years. You have a lot of advice for teachers <laughs> and students who are a little bit scared of that topic. Um, so thank you for joining me today. Okay, of course. Have a good one. Our next guest is Dr. Barbara Bartholomew, who is a professor of teacher education at CSU Bakersfield. You've taught in the New York urban school districts, right? Indeed, I did. I, so, so I was just wondering what your experience was um, when it pertains to student mm -hmm. safety in an urban school district, like mm -hmm. especially one that's like in New York, where like shootings might be a little bit more prevalent. Uh, the, the number one thing is uh, the student safety. That's it. Uh, grades don't matter. Instruction doesn't matter. Uh, none of it matters if you have dead or lost children. So you, as a teacher, you always have that in mind. And if, depending on the kind of school you teach at, sometimes students will um, run out of school. 
um, especially if you have a lot of special education students or students that may have emotional problems. So you can never be too safe with kids. At one of my schools, they used to say, um, there are flowers in the front office for Mrs. Jones. And when that came across the PA system, you went and you locked your doors. Luckily, it never came across, but those were our orders. So it's always on everybody's mind and also children that might hurt themselves. Um, they don't understand that. A lot of times kids don't understand the ramifications for their actions. So I used to have a class of students that were uh, not at, at age level. So uh, a lot of them just had never had someone at home sort of taught them the rules. And one day I turned my back in class. I was at an all Spanish school and we had just gotten two Asians in the school. Um, we'd never had any Asians in the school before and they were in my class and they couldn't even speak English. And I turned my back right on the board and I turned around and they had one of the Asian boys hanging out the window and they were holding him by his legs we we're on the fifth floor and um that was pretty scary they thought it was funny and they didn't understand why i got mad they were like well miss we weren't going to block them but so as a teacher that that's first is safety so how do you feel about that controversial topic of like teachers possibly having a firearm in their classroom to protect the students? Because there's two extremely very opinionated sides about this. So as a public school teacher in an urban school district, and you've also probably worked in rural, rural school districts as well. Um, so how do you feel about that topic? I would add myself to being very opinionated about that. And I realized that I'm being interviewed for a current um, county audience and that that's a very Kevin McCarthy pro-gun town. A teacher would have a gun in a classroom of 30, 35 innocent children. I mean, what kind of marksman would you have to be and if somebody came in, I mean, the first thing they're going to do is grab a kid and put a gun to his head. And no, the, it's not a matter of a teacher being armed, not arming children. That was Donald Trump's thing when he said that. Yeah, we have to get firearms in the hands of teachers. No, we have to get firearms out of the hands of all these idiots that have them. And a lot of good people have them and they have them to protect themselves. But if none of us had guns, we wouldn't have to worry about mass shootings, about people going to get groceries on a Monday afternoon and being shot dead in their, their tracks. So, especially at a school. And then when you allow the teachers to have guns, there are districts throughout the United States, many, many, many districts where there are not book bag searches. There are not metal detector searches. Do we want to get into that territory? We have to find other solutions to that, but the solution is definitely not to have a teacher on. 
Um, and Joy, you know what? I've been attacked by stu students before. I, I'm a very small person. I'm only like a little over five feet. So that I'm was my next question is your size and like how do you overcome um, kids who are larger than you and possibly stronger than you? I mean, you don't want to get in that situation, but you gain the respect. And I am a real believer in the covenant that people almost always treat you the way you treat them. And not always, especially if they have mental problems, but um, even people that have mental problems, if you speak with them in a certain way, you maintain some calm and they can trust you. And I've never felt as though um, any of my students would harm me. Even when I was at uh, <laughs> a high school from hell and um, I had a lot of scary, scary, scary characters running around. And they were a lot larger than I was. But I just did what I told you. I spoke with them calmly. Um, they knew I had their best interests in mind. And that, that's, that's all you can do. I mean, I, I can't take somebody on. Um, the time when I was attacked by a student was when I was working at a junior high school. It was a student that had rage problems. He was only... I know 14, he'd already been to prison twice, not a juvenile facility, he'd been to Rikers Island. And um, maybe he was 16, I think he was 16. He'd felt, been held over so many times, he was in sixth grade, but he just had rage. And once the rage came out, he just lost control of his head and he picked me up uh, even though we were the same size, and he threw me against a wall, and it completely just knocked the wind out of me, and he immediately knew he had done something really, really bad. Um, he didn't ask if I was okay, but I could see there was remorse all over his face, and he ran away, and about two weeks later, they put him back in my class. Two weeks later, he attacked another boy, and it was after school. It was just the two of them in my classroom and me, and there's nobody else in the building. And one of the boys um, said something to him and something just a hair trigger temper. And he jumped on that kid and really started wailing him. And I jumped on him and I jumped on his back and I restrained him. And, uh, and then I got smacked. And then my union head brought me in and said, don't you ever do that again. Don't you ever do that again. That is not your job. And if anything happens to you or happened to that other child, because you had injected yourself into the situation, you now become a liability to the union. We won't help you in court. We're not helping you with your medical bills. Uh, you're not getting a settlement if a child kills you. Uh, it was a union rule that I've never quite understood because I don't know about you. I'm a believer that it's the role of uh, big people to watch out for little people, even when the little people are bigger than you are. Anyway, I, I don't think it happens a lot to people, but right now there's something going on in our society and things have really escalated. And I, I feel as though there's a... Um, a deficit in the thinking 
in district offices and at the United States Department of Education. And they need to take better care of teachers and of the people that work in the school building and set up environments where that thing is safety first. Um, you should never have to tell a story like Columbine where a teacher threw himself in the line of fire to protect his students. Uh, that's not what we go to school for. That's not what we're, we're paid to do. So correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty positive now teachers get the choice to interfere. Like if something, if two students are fighting, um, the teacher can now do what you did, right? But the fact that you were part of a union, you, you weren't allowed to do that. Yeah, you know what, and that was the UFT, and here in California, it's the AFT mostly, those two big unions in the United States, though the UFT is in California, it's not the dominant union, so um, that was a union rule, but if you move around and you go to conferences, you'll find that uh, there are 50 states and 50 different ideas of how to run the schools. And so it's not in the Constitution that we have a constitutional right to education. It's not in there. Um, it's broadly interpreted as the 14th Amendment, meaning it, it would be for the social good. Things that are for the social good um, are guaranteed by the Constitution. It's not the exact word, but that's the spirit of it. So the idea is that there is kind of a way in through the Constitution. So that wouldn't be a federal rule. That would be a rule for each city. In some cities where you had no unions or weak unions would not have made that rule. I just happened to be in a city that had just a killer union. Teacher safety is very concerning. There's a perennial teacher shortage and there will be until we find a way to, to treat teachers with the sort of professional equanimity that other, um, other groups have. If you're gonna last, one thing you start to realize and you were talking about safety in the classroom is I used to structure my classrooms so that if I said, stop, everybody just froze. They didn't move until I told them not to stop. And I could have gone out and got a turkey sandwich and come back and it still would have been frozen. <laughs> so that is what you want. You want 100% compliance and you want kids to have jobs. That if there's a problem, Mrs. So-and-so has roses, somebody goes right away when they hear something, they go and they lock the doors. Everybody gets down on the floor. Uh, the windows are closed and locked. And um, you have a plan with those kids as much as you can. And in the end, it comes down, it's your classroom. It's not the unions, it's not the principal, it's not the AP, it all comes down teacher those people support you and sometimes they undermine you no one wants to sort of face that that truth about the school system how much really falls on the back of teachers 
and that monies and things that come down, no one ever says to you, Joy, how do you think we should spend the $5 million that we got for the district? <laughs> you can say, books, and we need a couple of extra guards out front. <laughs> so if a teacher's going to last, you last because you make yourself last because you have been a good manager of your life. You've got those kids breathing at the same time and exhaling. When you say jump, they say how high. And yeah, maybe you hand out some cookies or some, some candy, or you give them a special treat on Fridays. You start reinforcing that behavior that you want to see. And when you have everybody together on the same page and the parents see how much you're fighting for their kids, then you have classroom safety as much as you can affect. We can't change the headlines. We can't make the NRA go away. We can't stop politicians who uh, want teachers to have guns and they're going to fight for that because they want to get reelected. Um, so, so do the people that are in the district office. They want to keep their jobs in the district office. So they do whatever they have to do to assure that. And somehow at the very bottom of that run is the teachers. I'm very pro-teacher, just so you know. And I take the teacher's stand ahead of everybody else's stand because I know how hard it is. And I really feel as though I have the key to understanding how to make that work and not how to burn out. You actually had answered my questions before I asked them because I was going to ask if you had any other advice for student safety, but you just explained it. It's classroom management. It's talking to them. It's like, like creating that teacher role that ensures like student safety. So but really my students, students needed as much as anything. They needed me to talk to them. So I would come in in the morning and I would just start talking and I just, just explaining. I used to take my students out. Um, I would get a blanket permission slip at the beginning of the year to take them on walks through the neighborhood. And so when I was getting nowhere with teaching, I'd say, let's go on a walk. So everybody get bundled up. We go on a walk, I had them trained so nobody ran into traffic. They did exactly what I wanted. And as we were walking, they never shut up because they wanted to know, Miss, why does this fence look different than that fence? So that one was built in the 1800s. And this is a new fence somebody just bought at Home Depot. That's why they look different. I know, but why did they do this in the 1800s? Then you would explain. And they had so many questions about the world. And when they would come back into class, they were more curious about things. So it's important for a teacher to talk to their students a lot, even if you wear them out. Some of my students used to say, Miss, don't you ever shut up? And I would be like, no, I never shut up. <laughs> so when you do that, you also become their viewpoint character. That's probably the very best classroom management tool of all. And it also grows their skills, grows their understanding. You become the viewpoint character you begin to matter. Thank you so much for all of your amazing advice. It really is super helpful. And I think you have a really good point, like especially on the side of like student safety and talking, like there are other ways um, to keep them safe. 
Thank you. Have a good day. Thank you so hey, you much too. for doing this. Of course. <laughs> Bye. Okay. Bye. Mr. Scott Hammer is our next guest. He is a public elementary school teacher in Bakersfield. Hello. Hey, good morning, Ms. Gamble. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Good, good. Thank you so much for doing this today. Oh, you're welcome. What grade do you teach? Actually, I teach first through third grade science. Oh, how cool. If a shooter comes on campus, like what do those drills entail at your school? So we do have a plan, we do have a warning system, and um, you know, it's a hide in place type of system, lock the door, lock down the campus type system, yes. And it's interesting because it has kind of evolved, that system has kind of evolved. I mean, it kind of started out, turn off the lights, hide, um, but it's been determined that that's, that isn't the most efficient way to do it. If somebody does enter, you're supposed to throw things and distract, you know. So um, that system has evolved a bit. Yeah, I think they're, I think it's a little bit different too with like each school district, um, like depending on the area. They've discovered that in, in a lot of these mass shootings, school or otherwise, that when people act defensive, defenseless, that they've, uh, they kind of sacrifice themselves. They, they, so they've kind of moved towards, hey, you've got to, you've got to kind of defend yourself, throw things, you know, don't just sit there. But I, but I have to say the school districts have done a lot to control um, people coming in and out of the school site. So it's pretty much funneled through one spot uh, the front office where IDs are checked and, and, and such. I mean, there's so much you can do. I mean, you can't turn it into like a prison compound with razor wire and stuff. That wouldn't be appropriate either. But to, to be able to manage the flow of, of people coming in off the campus, I think that's very important. And do you, do you feel safe with your district's protocols for um, this specific emergency? Yeah. I think they're making the the, the right moves, and and, uh, and I think the the being defensive uh, was was a was a good addition, you know, to because I mean the, the important thing is to stop the incident as quickly as possible, right? So, since this is a big controversy in the world, do you think like your students would feel? safer um like have you ever talked to them i mean they're quite young um first and third graders but do you think that they would feel like safer knowing that their teacher had a firearm like to protect them or does that topic not come up with those with with that age group i think uh i wouldn't have that conversation with the students at all because it would be purely a defensive and i thought you know it's interesting i have a home security system right Mm -hmm. I have a sign out front that says that I have a home security system. That lets the perpetrator know that if you come in here, you're going to be on film and, right? So I, the, an interesting thought crossed my mind. It's like, you know, if, if there were personnel, and this would have to be a big conversation because it would have to involve parents and boards and everybody, but if there were personnel on campus that were armed, 
whether they be teachers or other staff. And you put a sign out front that said that this school allows conceal and carry personnel. I see what you're saying, yeah. Hey, when I was a kid, we did the duck and cover nuclear bomb drills, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, so I mean, yeah. there, there's the realities of the world they're out there as well, you know, and so uh, knowing, but it, it doesn't need to be like in front of you constantly. This is a potential threat. So it is how we deal with it. Like yeah. Like an earthquake or a fire and or the other kinds of drills we do, right? So what are your concerns for both sides of this argument? Teachers getting the right to have a firearm in their classroom and then versus not being able to have one due to district policies. Probably the easier decision, right? The easier decision would be let's not arm anybody, then, then we know that one of our people aren't going to shoot anybody, right? Yeah. So that's an easy decision to make. The harder decision is, uh, do we want to step up our defensive measures a little higher and have people that are licensed? I mean, how, conceal and carry permits, I mean, they're hard enough to get. And uh, is that enough? Maybe the school wants to add another layer. I wouldn't know, or the district, I should say. At this point in time, I mean, I kind of did some research on school shootings and how many have happened and what types and where. Um, I don't really see it as, as, a, as a huge issue. Yes, you need to defend yourself against the, the potential of it, but uh, how much and how, what's the possibility? I mean, we want a zero, we want a zero sum game, right? So nobody ever gets shot at it. But then we have to look at the real numbers, right? And then, and see how much money should a district spend on this stuff and how prevalent is it, right? So this is what I came up with. And I don't know if your research shows this. I had 266 school shootings since Columbine, and I went, wow, that is a lot. Why didn't I hear about all of those, right? So I looked a little deeper. So I, I broke it down into, so most of those shootings were either involving one or two people, right? So, I mean, you can probably attribute a large percentage of those to gangs, that type of stuff, right? So then I went ahead and looked at mass shootings where somebody just comes down on campus and does shooting, right? So since Columbine, including Columbine, there's been 11 mass shootings. Five of them were at colleges, four of them were at high schools, and two of them were at elementary schools. That since Columbine, which I believe was in 1999. So, I mean, that kind of put, I think that puts a little perspective on the prevalence of, of these events, right? So do you have any advice for other public school teachers when it comes to student safety in the classroom? I think our districts are doing a good job at, at addressing the relevant issues, keeping everybody trained up so that we will be as safe as we can be when something happens. And that could be anything. I mean, that could be, I mean, we're talking about school shootings, but it could be some kind of a natural disaster of some other sort, you know? So uh, I think, I mean, student safety is the number one issue in schools. I mean, we want the kids to be safe first. So I think we're doing a pretty good job at addressing these issues. I, like I said, I think we just need to make, make sure we put the emphasis necessary on those things. I guess the hard part is, is 
you don't want to build fear, right? Yeah. But you want to build awareness. And so uh, I think that's, we just need to keep going down that line. I think we're doing a pretty good job at that too. Well, thank you so much for, for joining me today. I appreciate this. My pleasure. <laughs> Thank you so much, Mr. Larimer, Dr. Bartholomew, Mr. Scott Hammer, and Mr. Ryan Busby for joining us on this episode today. And thank you, runners, for listening. I'll see you next time. Bye.